a fear of public speaking. What Dorothy and I have to say is too important not to say it. This is the year of women's liberation. A simple right to reproductive freedom is basic. We're here to make revolution, not just dinner. We gotta stop sucking and begin to bite. Hello and welcome to Step and Repeat, a weekly movies and awards show podcast. And in honor of our feature film of the week, The Glorias, whose trailer you just heard at the top of the episode, we're asking the question, if you could have a conversation with an older version of yourself and you were only able to ask one question, what one question would you ask? So Andrew, what question would you ask? Uh, so I spent a long time thinking about this and uh, I would ask myself the question, what coastal city should you visit now before sea level rise <laughs> puts it underwater? That's a good question. <laughs> it's like, do I go to Venice? Like Miami? Where do I go before eh, hunger? You don't need to go to Miami. <laughs> uh, but Venice, Venice, though, that would be. Venice, probably. Venice is dope. Venice is dope, yes. I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying Venice is dope because I've never been to Venice. <laughs> so, which is why I want to know if I should visit there. Probably. Maybe go to the Mediterranean. Yeah, all these islands that will be underwater cities. Um, I went dark with mine. <laughs> I, hope you, I hope your answer is lighter. Matt, if you could ask yourself one question an older, to an older version of yourself, what would you ask? Uh, will we get a second stimulus check? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I would ask, it's, it's kind of sad, but like, <laughs> from your mouth to Congress's ears. Does the country <laughs> ever find itself in a happier place? <laughs> yeah, this is assuming that we all have older versions of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really kind of, I have like thought about this. And I was like, I don't really kind of want to know anything about myself. Because like, I would just get too much anxiety. Like, don't tell me like, I don't want to know where I am. Or like, I don't want to like impact like, you know, where I would be. But like, I would want to know about like the state of the world or like the country and like, like what we could do like to make it a better place and to stop <laughs> potentially things like happen like this happening again um, for like the betterment of everyone. I would love to know like, you know, do I succeed or whatever, but like, I also don't want to know. <laughs> again, somehow all of our movies end up being about time travel in some way. Yeah, uh, I know. But, <laughs> like it's kind of that, um, paradox that question like if you tell yourself uh if an older version tells something to a younger version of yourself like can you prevent that from happening or does like what happened always happen no i like to, i like wouldn't even like know what i would tell a younger version of myself stop eating so many carbs <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i don't know I, I say that as i'm eating chicken nuggets i know <laughs> <laughs> play more sports <laughs> i don't know i i would love to have like a sit down with my younger self and just kind of slap myself in the face say like stop being such a douchebag oh wow you, <laughs> you heard it here first and <laughs> <laughs> i'm not yeah yeah i'm like you know talking to like my high school self and in the glorias they don't like really they have like existential kind of conversations <laughs> about themselves yeah. they don't ask themselves like uh historical questions <laughs> like does the era pass they they're like like when will i become confident like it's like that type of question they don't do that outright but that's like the 
<laughs> You'll become confident on April 3rd, 1992, yeah. <laughs> at yeah. approximately 4.05 p.m. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I have a question that, like, the older Glorias ask the, or the younger Glorias ask the older Glorias. Um, we'll get into all that. We will, we will discuss that ad nauseum. Um, but first, uh, before we get into that, should we... Um, get on our other soapbox. We should, yes. <laughs> Many soapboxes on the step and repeat. I love a good soapbox. Yeah, we should. Um, we should start our own like soap company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, a little side hustle. Yeah. <laughs> step, and re- step and repeat soap. <laughs> Actually, that could work for. Lather, rinse, and repeat. Yeah. Well, Lather, rinse, step, and repeat. <laughs> Um, what are you watching? Our soapbox where we basically talk about whatever we're watching that week that isn't our feature film. So, yes, not the Glorias. And we have not discussed this first, so I really hope ours don't cross over. Is it my turn to go first? I think. I don't know. I think so. Maybe. Okay. Would you, if you're nervous, would you rather go first? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I'll ask you. Matt, what are you watching? Okay, so I'm kind of reverting back to what we did a couple weeks ago. So I broke down three options. Oh, yay! A, B, and C. So you get to choose one. Let's go A for asymptomatic. A for asymptomatic. Do you want to know what you missed out on first? Yes, unless you want to hold them for future weeks. No, I can't because they're just relevant this week and I don't want to bring them up in the future. So um, I'm glad you didn't pick B. Uh, B it was the Comey rule on Showtime. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I did end up giving in and watching that. Kind of sad you didn't pick C because I really want to talk about it. Um, South Park, the pandemic special. Oh, <laughs> I, um, I watched it yet, but it's on its yeah. back now. Yes, it is. Um, it it uh, exceeds expectations. That is all yes. I was so you chose A, and I don't know if this is your topic this week, but it is the first presidential debate. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, that was not my topic, but let's discuss. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and this also kind of ties into the return of Saturday Night Live, which I wanted to discuss too, so they kind of go hand in hand. Um, what a mess. <laughs> what a mess. Um, I was looking forward to the debate for a long time, and yeah it 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 i don't know why i was surprised um about what a mess it was but um i think there are some lessons learned there about where we could go in the future because these debates are important right like there are surprisingly like people who are undecided um and these debates like really help them figure out who they want to vote for um and right now i wouldn't be surprised if (laughs) these undecided voters are going to vote green party um, well, like, I mean, in all three debates in 2016, like, Hillary Clinton dominated, like, clearly won all three. Yeah. And still, like, that didn't matter. So it was, um, I am on shaky ground of how much I think debates matter, <laughs> just coming off of 2016, but... I don't know. There are scholars who I'm sure can tell me otherwise. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I thought, I think Chris Wallace is getting a lot of heat 
um, for things he just that were like beyond his control. So I think I think he's getting treated a little unfairly. Um, I actually was very proud of Joe Biden. I actually thought he did a great job. Um, you also have to like realize, and a lot of people still don't know this, um, that Joe Biden is a stutterer, and he's had to overcome that his entire life. And the fact that he had to go against this ignoramus that <laughs> um, just wouldn't shut up was actually um, really heartening. And I was very proud of him. And I thought he did great. Um, I thought he stumbled a little bit in the beginning, but uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. I thought I thought he held his ground the whole time. I thought he did great. Um, and I think also like for the people saying like, oh, he you know, he was just doing, he did so poor. I thought he was also treated very unfairly. So um, yeah, uh, it was just a hot mess. And I actually am kind of looking forward to the vice presidential debate next week. Uh, that should be a little more tame and civilized and um, hopefully Kamala rocks it. So yeah. Um, I hated the narrative that um, came out immediately after the debate, which was, that it was like, it was a shit show, it was a train wreck. Um, because it like played into this sort of both sides narrative that like both of them like contributed to this mess. Whereas like clearly it was one who contributed to it. Yeah. And, like, and that being Donald Trump. And I mean, if you're gonna call it a shit show, then you have to blame the like animal who like, literally waded in shit and threw the shit around and then blames the other person for being dirty. Like, that's the equivalent there. Yeah. So, um, so that, like, to me, it was like there was one person who is interrupting, not following any sort of protocol or rules. Um, the irony is not lost on me. Um, the candidate of law and order. Um, can't follow order. Uh, so uh, that like kind of got under my skin a little bit. Um, but like it was like it was unwatchable. It was after like 10 minutes. I, um, I cracked open my beer after 10 minutes and that was 10 minutes too late. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it was it was it literally gave me a headache. And that was like, I was like weirdly depressed the next day. Like it was kind of a, um, I was just like so upset with like how things played out that I was depressed. I, I like don't know how to put it, um, that I was kind of like really upset and it was just like really unfortunate. Um, so. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like our democracy is like, I don't want to be over dramatic about like the state of our democracy, but I was like, that's not how, it's like, that's not how these things should go. Right. Right. Um, did you watch SNL last night? Not yet. Um, okay. I saw, like, I was on Twitter this morning and I saw, I haven't seen any of the videos, but I saw pictures of it. Yeah. Like, I don't know a whole lot. I haven't really seen a whole lot. Um, what did you think? Yeah, it was, um, it was great. I loved it. Um, I'm a little uh, nervous about the audience being so close together. Um, they're pretty packed in there. 
uh, I know everyone's like tested and masked, but still everyone's like kind of jammed in there and it seemed like a very normal SNL episode. Um, Jim Carrey's hilarious as Joe Biden. Um, obviously Maya Rudolph, Maya Rudolph is back as um, Senator Harris and you know, Alec Baldwin is great. Her as Emmy as award winning role. That's yes, very true. Um, I was actually hoping they'd <laughs> allude to that. Um, but it was, it was hilarious. It, it was great. I, I'm glad SNL's back. I'm, you know, it, it was nice to see the normalcy, but it also makes me a little on itch. Um, so I'm hoping everyone is okay and everything is okay. Um, I just think they could be a little safer, but that's their decision, not mine. Um, but yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it. It's, 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 it's good. The debate portion is obviously the opening segment. Um, of the cold open. Um, I think the Hillary Trump cold opens were a lot funnier, um, but Jim Carrey does a really good job as as Biden. Um, but I, I think, I don't think like anyone will top Kate McKinnon <laughs> as Hillary. Yeah. But those were, those were just classic. Yeah, it was, it's always, or for a long time since um, Bill Clinton, at least, it's been hard to parody Democrats. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, um, and um, so when, like, they never really had, like, a great Obama impression. I I think they were good, don't get me wrong, but um, it was never, like, super, super memorable um, until uh, Kate McKinnon did Hillary Clinton. And, like, because SNL is, like, a TV show, they made that, like, their characters, like, you could also argue caricatures. So like the SNL version of Hillary Clinton had its own like personality and did stuff. Whereas like the Obama didn't, it was just kind of like playing Obama. Um, and even though the SNL uh, Hillary Clinton is different from the real life Clinton, it was still like really funny. So it's always been kind of difficult for them to like get to match that and so like that like when Kate McKinnon knocked that out of the park it was like you knew this was like gold I would I would also argue um Larry David as Bernie Sanders oh yeah 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 that's a good was one. was like on par with her like they are um, early early Bernie Sanders Larry David yeah when later on it got it got a little much but like when they first like did it oh my god I I, I peed my pants laughing it was so funny they, um, SNL has pivoted now towards getting like celebrities that aren't in the standard cast yeah. to, uh, to play the politicians. And I think that's more of a ratings ploy, to be honest. Um, uh, but I'm not Lauren Michaels, um, so who can say for sure? Um, yeah, I, I like it. I, I wondered why like Jason Sudeikis didn't come back and play Biden. I thought he always did a good Biden, but I guess Jim Carrey gets more ratings. I don't know. Um, I would watch it, like, still, if Jason Sudeikis did it. Um, like, Maya Rudolph is an alum. She came back and did it. Um, Kamala Harris. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. But they're all, like, none of them are in the regular cast. They're not in any other scale. Right, right, right. right. Just playing those. I remember there was, like, some controversy. There was some controversy that, um, what's his face? did Trump a long time ago and he was like really upset that he didn't, that Alec Baldwin replace him, but I don't know. I, Daryl I'm, Hamm, did Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Hammond. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm like all for like new actors 
taking on the old roles or because they're evolving, right? They're always evolving, getting older and becoming more, getting more into the spotlight. Um, it's good. Jim Carrey's good. <laughs> yeah, I will um, watch that too. Now that yes. it's on Hulu, so there you go. Easy to watch and YouTube, obviously. Yeah. All right, so uh, Andrew, what are you watching? Um, if it's some like documentary about voting or like the civil rights movement, I'm gonna be mad because <laughs> I'm seeing you talking to me about your educational. What are you watching? Like, I watched this really inspirational documentary on 1950s Selma, and it was just it was it was so inspiring. Can you please just choose something funny or like? Normal for once. Um, well, I did not watch any documentaries this week. I don't think so. Um, so, uh, so you... I took a deep dive into the history of Guam, and it, was just, it just moved me to tears. Like I'm sitting here talking about SNL. Um, but mine's not necessarily happy. Um, so I wanted to, um, talk briefly and please let me keep this brief because I could go on for a while. Okay. I'll give you a um, four minute timer. Oh, okay. Um, I wanted to talk about The Boys in the Band on Netflix. Oh, you watched, oh, you watched it? I did watch it. Uh, it's the, uh, movie based off the 1968 play uh, the boys in the band that's basically about nine gay men in an apartment um, together on a, at a birthday party uh, and it's very much like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf where all this like meanness and snide like comes out uh, at a birthday party uh, and it was uh, revived in 2018 on Broadway so they uh, and it was successful on Broadway, um, and so much so that they made it into a, a movie, uh, this uh, Netflix movie uh, starring Jim Parsons, Matt Bomer, Zachary Quinto. They, what the boys in the band um, is probably, the new movie version is probably most noted for is that everyone in the cast is an openly gay actor. So, it's gotten mostly positive reviews from uh, critics, uh, but uh, I am on the negative side, <laughs> I think. Um, and uh, part of the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because since it is available to everyone and other people seem to like really like it, I'm like very curious to know what other people think of this. Uh, so to that end, please write us stepperrepeatpod at gmail.com and tell me what you think because I actually do want to debate it and be challenged on it. And this is why I could go on for like an hour, but I won't. I, in short, kind of find the whole story to be a bit regressive in terms of uh, gay culture and um, where we stand in uh, like gay rights today, I think because mostly my like biggest sort of argument is that everyone in this movie uh, is um, like a self-hating gay. And I think what they're trying to get at when they're, when they have um, openly gay actors, 
when they have all these openly gay actors speak these words from that were written in 1968, which they which were, were applicable in 1968. So this is pre-Stonewall, pre-AIDS, um, like pre-marriage equality. Um, to have all these like men today then, 2020 men, speaking self-hating words of like of the time of 1968, I think like ties them together in a sense that it like doesn't really feel progressive in a way that it's like, well, then we're not really like, we haven't made much progress since then. And so that's why I'm like very curious is to see like what people take it away, particularly what um, both straight and LGBTQ people think of this. Um, Cause I just like, don't really see how it's progressive. I find it like, a bit regressive in that sense. Um, so I'm like kind of struggling a lot <laughs> with uh, like what that what that means and how other people are taking it because um, especially if we are rightfully revisiting um, older movies that feel out of touch in today's world uh, and putting them in context to take words without putting them into context today um, doesn't really feel right to me. I don't know. Um, so I'm oh, there's your timer. <laughs> Four minutes. Yeah, that's like about it. So I like just want to know what other people think because uh, I wasn't completely sold as technical as technically good as like I think it was. Like it wasn't a boring movie. It was just I just didn't really care for the message. It, it left at the end with me, so. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Very pessimistic. Yeah. Um, but I always like want to be challenged on stuff that other people seem to like and I don't, so. Yeah. I, I guess for me, um, I saw the trailer one time and I'd, I'd, I'd heard about it. I didn't know anything about it, um, but it, you know, there are like movies about civil rights and gay rights and movies you want to see and you know you're going to get inspired by but like this trailer just fell flat and I had no interest in seeing it I don't know why but I I can't make the same judgments that you make because obviously I haven't seen it um but maybe I will take a watch this week and revisit and let you know if I feel any different yeah on like a technical level I like don't have any issues with it I um I think like some of the acting is like pretty good, but like everyone in this movie is like kind of mean with the exception of maybe one or two characters. And I like kind of hate that stereotype of like gay men who are mean for no reason and just for the sake of being mean. So I don't know, like that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Um, even though this was written by a gay man, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, even though like everyone involved is pretty much gay. So I, I just, I just like don't think it like speaks broadly. I don't think it can make, you can make like these bigger judgments about the gay community. You see like, like point. people are mean, like, like judgmental mean or like mean, just mean personalities to each other. Mean, uh, mean personalities to each yeah. other. Yeah. Um, like you think it like provides like a bad, like message or like stereotype to 
I think community. it's more for me. It's more of a stereotype issue mm-hmm. that it's just like that doesn't like gel with me because like are there a bunch of snide gays? Like yes, is that the majority of like gays? No, I don't think so. And so there aren't as many well-rounded characters, or at least this is only taking a subsection of the gay community and like bringing it to light. Like, I don't think this movie can speak for all gay people. And that's what like the play was trying to do. And like agreed, like I recognize its place in like gay culture history, like in 1968, like how groundbreaking it was like to have any play like be about gay men, but like then again to redo it in 2020, I think kind of just like ignores what has changed since then. Yeah, yeah. And there's also like, I I, I can't speak to this because again, I haven't seen it, but there are also movies that like are meant to be plays and just do not translate well to the screen. Um, I don't know if this might be one of them um, or if like this was like a script dialogue issue. I I don't know what it was, what it is, but um, like I think of like Fences, like when that came out, like that like clearly was a stage production and like a straight up play and like you could tell from the movie like it just did not translate well (laughs) to screen i mean this this whole thing takes place in one room like it's 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 very clearly a stage show it's like there's no question about it yeah um though i will say and on a purely superficial level um you see matt bomer full frontal so Oh, I don't think there are many um, people who are attracted to men that are that are going to complain about that. <laughs> so I will say there are uh, there are good parts worth watching. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> if Andrew did not sell it for you <laughs> in his first segment, then hopefully the last part. Does. So, uh, so that's what. Speaking I'm... of full frontal, <laughs> <laughs> Samantha B. <Bee. laughs> Yeah, right. no, we're not going to discuss anymore. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, speaking of um, letting it, letting the, letting your uh, freak flag fr- fly, um, <laughs> let's talk about Glorious Dynam. Yes. The Glorious. Yes. I didn't know I'd be talking about Glorious Dynam twice in one year on this podcast, but you know what? Let's do it anyway. Yes. Should we do our 10 words or fewer review? Let's do it. Yeah. We are both prepared this week. Uh, it's like the one rare time. I know. Glorious Dynam inspired us. Yes. <laughs> um, I guess I'll take the reins first. Sure. All right. So my 10 words. Um, example, why biopics should focus on one point in time. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. We can discuss that. Mine is a shoo-in for AARP Movies for Grown-Up Awards. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, man. I wish. This is an award show podcast after all. I know. I know. I know. Sometimes I wish I could, like, get in your mind of creativity. That was, that was great. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be laughing about that for a while. I mean, like... Mark today, this is gonna come out with at least at least a nomination for Julianne Moore, I will say, for 
AARP awards. If yeah. not, are. I've I've actually been to a few AARP screenings, and they are exactly what you think they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of huh, huh, what <laughs> for two hours. <laughs> what did she say? Uh, love AARP is an organization, but like, love it. Love they it. know their audience. Let's support them. <laughs> <laughs> um, this this podcast is not sponsored by the AARP. <laughs> but if you would like to give us money, <laughs> we can we'll gladly talk about you anytime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Matt, I got to be honest. I like so much has happened uh, in the past week that I like honestly kind of forgot I watched this movie like no I was going to text you before we started this podcast like what movie are we reviewing again I watched it um four days ago which we were recording on a Sunday so I watched it uh on Wednesday is that four days yeah um but I like literally it's already been like purged from my brain yeah (laughs) I like I started watching it on Friday night and about 10 minutes in, I said, you know what? I need a white claw. <laughs> and then, yeah, about, yeah. then about two hours in, I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. I don't know if that was the movie or the white claw. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, to that end, the basic premise of the Glorias is it's a biopic about Gloria Steinem at different parts throughout her life, primarily when she's like, um, in her like 20s to 40s and then like 40 plus. So like the two most prominent Glorias are played by Alicia Vikander, the younger Gloria, and um, Julianne Moore, the older Gloria. And then there's like younger versions too. Um, But- Child versions, yeah. Yeah. And then they like, there's like interludes where they're on a bus together um, and they all like kind of talk to each other and give each other advice, hence our question at the top of the show. Um, so, um, that's the basic premise, uh, of the Glorias and also hence the title. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I have a feeling during this segment, we're going to be reverting a lot to, um, Mrs. America, which also came out this year. And um, I didn't want to, I kept, am taking my notes. I like, didn't want to write so much stuff about Mrs. America as like, I wanted like, take this movie on its own, but it was like impossible not to. After a while, it was just like, the comparisons to Mrs. America just kept on popping up and it was I, all of them, Mrs. America did it better. <laughs> I, yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. It's like, as I was watching this, I wanted to like take this movie um, by itself. And it just, it just so happened that this movie came out at the same year, came out during the same, very close together that uh, Mrs. America did. And you're right, I, I just, I kept comparing it and saying like, Mrs. America did this better. Mrs. America did this better. Um, I didn't want to do that, but I did. And I mean, we'll we'll talk about it. Um, yeah. But well, just I fair mean, warning that if you have not seen Mrs. America yet, <laughs> spoiler alert for both. Yeah, Mrs. I guess America there's like Yeah. A weird thing with like biopics is like, is there such a thing as spoilers? Because we all know kind of yeah. how they end, or at least about famous people. Um, yeah. Um, that um, this movie got me thinking of how difficult I think it is to pull off a biopic that is about a very well-known person. The last movie that I remember really liking that 
is a biopic about a famous person is I, Tanya. Um, everything else, like I was going back where, where it's a biopic on a famous person. It's like, it all just like kind of blends together for me and like, yeah. it feels generic. Yeah. One, two. Yeah, well, for people like who we really know and love and grew up with, like we know these people and we have like this like mindset of like, you know, who we think they are and who we know they are. And then they're like, you don't know the, tr the real story of so-and-so. And I'm like, but like, I have my, like, let's take like RBG, for example, like who just passed away um, on the basis of sex was like, not a good movie uh, because <laughs> it's like, I know RBG from like, her descent and like where I know her now, like I don't need um, like a two hour biopic of her in like college. Like I know the struggle she went through. I know what, what happened. Like, like they try to like make these movies about like, you know, the untold story of like so-and-so. And it's like, I, I know the struggle she went through. Like you're like glossing over how like, yes, like she experienced sexism in college and she like paved the way for women, but like, you can't do that in two hours. She lived a whole lifetime of it. Um, so I, I yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's hard to- way, it, like, does them it does them injustice in a sort of right. way because it makes them feel less important and like less weighty than right. they actually were. Um, I don't know, like, I, I hate to say it, but like, I don't come out of this movie feeling super inspired or fired up. Um, I'm talking about the Glorias. I actually haven't seen On the Basis of Sex, but that's the, I, yeah, that's like the sort of impression that I've gotten like reading other reviews too. And yeah. and I know, like, I know I, um, maybe I'm not the target audience then for this. Like if, if this was like geared to fire women and only women up, but like, I don't think it should be that way. Like, I feel like, men should be fired up about feminism too and like mrs america got me fired up but this didn't <laughs> yeah yeah so um when i said in like my 10 words or fewer that biopics should only be about one point in time i mean like i i really do not like biopics that tell the story of like a lifetime like of a person i think biopics like this one especially, and it, and they did this in Mrs. America, should only focus on like one, like you need to have one narrative, one story, one point in time. Um, when you're covering decades and decades of a person's life, you can't do that in two hours. It's, it's impossible. Um, and it just doesn't work. It waters down her life. And it just, it just doesn't do Gloria Steinem justice. She's, you know, she's an important icon, an important figure in the civil rights movement, or not, sorry, civil rights, in the women's rights movement. Um, second wave feminism. Yeah. Second yeah. And um, like Mrs. America, like focused on her clash with the the uh, Stop ERA folks. And yeah, it, it was, it, it focused on one point in time leading up to the convention and like, like this contrast between like her and like Phyllis Schlafly. And I feel like in the glory is it like there, there really wasn't a. There's no conflict. Villain. Yeah. There's no conflict. There's no yeah. like, like what story am I like watching here? Like it's about her growing up. Like it made, that's what like made Mrs. America so intriguing is that there was like a clearly a two-sided debate here. Whereas like the glories is just 
Yeah, um, and when like you say like there's no there's no villain, and when I'm saying like there's no conflict, um, she is going up against like the system for sure. Um, but like that's not interesting to watch. Mm. Like we need to see what the system is in the movie then. And it's only in like little scenes, like when she's um, starting off in her career and um, like these nameless male coworkers make sexist comments at her. Um, but like that happens in like scene after scene where it's like these men who don't really mean anything. Like I don't even, like, I don't even know if they have care. I don't even know if they have names. Um, they just like talk to her and like make chauvinistic remarks to her. And like, it's, I think it would hold more weight if there was like one person who did that and like represented that than um, a bunch of death by a thousand cuts sort of way. Like it, it didn't, it didn't carry that same weight to me. Even like, like the supporting characters, like Bette Midler and who played, um, who played, what's her face? Uh, Janelle Monet. Again, like they had such small roles in the movie. They had like such a small like scene comparatively. And like- They were pointless. Were, they were pointless, yeah. Where they like, you know, and again, I hate to make a Mrs. American comparison. They were in Mrs. America, <laughs> like you actually saw the impact of um, like everyone surrounding Gloria Steinem and Phyllis Schlafly and the impact they had on their lives and the impact they had on the movement. Um, whereas like in this, I'm like, why, like, why are we even like including these characters? They like, they have no, like they have no meaning. Um, yeah. I don't know if you felt the same way. But, oh, like, totally. I mean, there are only, I can only think of two characters off the top of my head that like made any sort of, any supporting characters that like made an impact. And that was yeah. um, her father, um, a bit Timothy Hutton and um, I forget the um, like one she makes friends with um, yeah and killer <laughs> yeah um, uh, I was gonna say like like Bella Absook I had no idea who she was before Mrs. America none um, but she, like uh, Margot Martindale like was is obviously phenomenal as always and like they really wrote her character as to like to a point where she had like well, she had this huge impact on this on this point in time, and like Bette Midler playing this role, like I still wouldn't have if I saw this first, like I still wouldn't have known or really cared about yeah, who yeah. Bella or like who even she was, like because she's she was relegated really, just to like female congressmen. That's like, right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you have like like you're like a legit important part of this movement, and like you're just glossed over. So like there's a lot of a lot of that, like a lot of this like supporting characters supporting people in her life just it just didn't work so yeah yeah um it's interesting too because um gloria steinem the real life gloria steinem was not a fan of mrs america and she wrote like op-eds and like spoke about this publicly a few times where she she actually didn't like it for a lot of the reasons that we um, say that we kind of we kind of did. Um, they 
they don't like, she didn't like how they portrayed Phyllis Schlafly in the sense of that it was like, it was Phyllis Schlafly and her movement that um, helped kill the ERA. Whereas in Gloria Steinem's mind, it was more, um, she specifically mentions the insurance industry uh, and says it was essentially like big business um, that killed um, the ERA. And it was them who like really uh, put all the effort behind it um, and less so Floyd Schlafly and they didn't like what that implied, um, what Mrs. America implied. So whereas like, so she never really cared for Mrs. America um, and she was definitely involved in the making of this movie um, because it is based on her autobiography. <laughs> so My Life on the Road, I think it's called. Yeah, that was actually the like, like original title of the movie too. But oh, yeah. um, I actually don't mind the title. The glory is um, my life on the road is good too. So, and it kind of opens up this other question of how critical can a biography be when you're so closely attached to the subject. I think a lot of times it doesn't go as well as we would hope. And when I say critical, I don't mean making Gloria Steinem into a villain. But again, to bring up Mrs. America, Mrs. America did stuff where they made her at least like make mistakes and acknowledge her mistakes more than um, than this movie. I think the Glorias is a bit, um, I always screw up this word, um, uh, hagiographical. Um, oh my god. Yeah. Here we go. Sorry. <laughs> word of the, of the week. Please, uh, please define. Do you, I was going to ask, do you have a guess of what that means? Um, it, but it basically means to like be like saintly, like a, a saintly adaptation of this, of like we're making a movie or a book or biography, whatever, about somebody and we're like, not going to like point out their flaws. We're only going to show them like all the great stuff. You see, and I think you see this more and more frequently in movies. And I think it's, it has to do with, a lot of it has to do with how closely the creative process is involved with who the subject matter is. So, because like, of course they want to look good. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think of like um, Rocket Man. Elton John helped write that, and that didn't paint him in the best of lights. Yeah. Not so, the greatest movie in the world, but. I know. So this is where it's like, it's interesting. Again, and Madonna, she's writing her own biography. I know, but, and I'm like nervous. Yeah. Uh, or she's directing it. Um, Diablo Cody is writing it, which I think is awesome. Uh, no, and like, I think of like Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a horrible offender of this, like probably the worst case example. Um, of like how closely the band had in like making the story and they completely um, made it PG like in the sense of it's like completely sort of sterilized version of it and it could have been like so much more interesting than it actually was and that has a lot to do with the way that the band was involved. It brought them great success nonetheless um, but um, so I, it just like makes me 
weary um, because it like doesn't paint them in a critical light. And then again, now to tie this back to Mrs. America, one great example that I'll use that um, I thought did a great job in Mrs. America when they were uh, about to publish um, Ms. Magazine, uh, like the issue and they, um, one of the workers at Ms. Magazine is black and she wants to write about like tokenism in the workplace. And oh, yeah. um, the irony behind that is that like that woman was treated as the token black woman and like Gloria Steinem couldn't even see that. Like she was like, you don't feel that way here, do you? Where the answer was like, yes. <laughs> but she like, she like that woman couldn't say it like out loud. Um, so, so that's like an interesting sort of like character flaw. It's like, hey, like Gloria Steinem have blind spots too. Whereas like this movie doesn't even come close to touching on anything that nuanced. So um, yeah. it, they never bring up any sort of issue. Um, and it was always like Gloria Steinem was destined for greatness in this sort of way and um, has no flaws too. I, said, I mean, like I love Gloria Steinem, so. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. I, I just think Gloria Steinem should stay away from the, um, the movie or critique aspect of her life and let stick it to give it to the um the actual biographers i want to talk to you for a second about the transition and i thought it was very awkward so there's like four stages of her life in here right so there's like her like a really young kid um and then like her as like a like a young tween girl um and then there's the alicia vikander phase and then there's the transition to the julianne moore phase and I thought that was very awkward um, because she like aged not even a couple years from Alicia Vikander, this like young, like young writer in New York to a couple years later, like I want to say like maybe five or five to seven years, like all of a sudden she's this like Julianne Moore person who's Julianne Moore is 60 years old. And I like, I didn't, I thought Alicia Vikander could have played a significant portion of this movie, like without problem at all. Because Rose Byrne played Julia, played uh, Gloria Steinem in the same time frame that Julianne Moore played her. So I'm like, why couldn't Alicia Vikander play her in that role too and just leave Julianne Moore till the very end? It just, it, it was very awkward for me. I, like I was really getting used to Alicia Vikander playing that role. And I just, I did not like the transition to to Julianne Moore. I thought it was very weird and not done well. I like the actual like transition scene, like the interludes, because it's like one of the few parts where this movie gets to be weird uh, and which sets it apart <laughs> in a way. There are not many, um, but because um, this movie is directed by um, Julie Taymor, who's like known for her distinct like very psychedelic uh yeah, she did across the universe yes so yeah that'll put that into perspective <laughs> exactly um so i think uh, like there's this strange like scene where she's doing an interview and it like um this is like the big like transition scene um where then there's like a wizard of oz-esque <laughs> yeah sequence um and then all of a sudden there's like everyone's red everywhere and there's like a tornado and so weird it's so bizarre and it's like it's hard to describe without 
watching it. Um, it's hard to watch. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's like, that's like one of the moments where it's like, what is going on? And um, which I was like, oh, finally we're doing something new and interesting. So like that like, jolted some life into it for me, though I understand like how alienating it probably can be. Um, I, just, I was like, oh, we're all tripping on acid together. Yeah, yeah, it's very trippy. So I like liked that scene, but I, I, I get what you're saying too, especially because I don't think they'd like do a particularly um, smooth like transition into like makeup, for example. Like they don't really age um, Alicia Vikander up like that much, I think. No, not at all. So um, in terms of, yeah, in terms of like that sort of transition, I, I get what you're saying. I just, I thought it was like, I don't know. I, I, I was enjoying Alicia Vikander's role in it. I thought she was like, she was a good Gloria Sinem, not necessarily a great story, but I don't understand why she couldn't continue on in the role. I, it just didn't make sense to me. Um, like I, definitely played Julianne Moore as like a much older, like 90s or present day Gloria Sinem. That's fine. Oh my like, God. I know. I thought the makeup was like really good at the end. Yeah. Julianne Moore, like when she's, um, much older, like in twenty, like seventeen. Or yeah, when she's like doing like, yeah. like doing the book reading at the end. Yeah, she, she, looks, just, she, actually, she looks just like her. Like that makeup was really good. Yeah, yeah, she did look like her. Um, I actually, you know what? Oh, funnily enough, there were points in the Alicia Vikander's parts that I thought she looked a little like Rose Byrne, like when she had the glasses on. Yeah, I, they have. I think they're very similar. Alicia Vikander is younger, much is younger, but Alicia Vikander is like barely thirty. I love I love Alicia Vikander, but like the accent slips were very noticeable. Like not the greatest accent work from Alicia. <laughs> Maybe like she's Swedish, but like she's Swedish, but like has like a kind of British sounding accent. <clears throat> like grew up in Britain. I don't know. Um, I give her the benefit of the doubt. I yeah. I'm like, eh. It's a weird thing because like Gloria has a very distinctive voice. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so you can, like, tell both of them, like, very, trying very hard to, like, match that voice. And it's got to be a tougher for a British-sounding Swedish person to match a distinctive American. <laughs> yeah. Just more work for the voice so, coach, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, the accent slips more than a few times, but... Yeah, that didn't, I guess that didn't really bother me too much, but... Yeah, I mean... It, I, it, it's noticeable, definitely. It's, noticeable. A, it's kind of, it's not, it's less of a criticism more than a like cringeworthy thing it's like oh yeah yeah also like <laughs> i don't know why this bothered me um there's the scene the final scene it wraps up um with her the four glorias on the bus then they all kind of transition on a bus to their actual like people so like elizabeth Bikander, like she breaks role, she breaks character of Gloria Steinem and breaks role to be become Alicia Vikander and like Julianne Moore becomes Julianne Moore. And then you see on like the front of the bus, Gloria Steinem, and they're all riding with a group of people to the Women's March um, back in 2017. I, I, it really bothered me. I didn't like it at all. Um, yeah, I actually liked that. That was- You did? I, yeah, I- I thought it was so, so weird. Well, like, I didn't take that, I didn't, take that as them like breaking character. I think they were all the glory. It was the glorias 
like together all been together on that the same bus and there's like a line um i think this might be from gloria Steinem's actual speech at the women's march um where she said like we're here carved out by the women that came before us hence and like that's the sort of like message of like the movie and the glorias like each step that you took throughout your life like led you to this moment um also this movie leaves out Shirley Chisholm by the way um so like I thought that was kind of like rude in a sort of way like we were carved out by all these other women before here like uh, Bella Abzug or Dolores Huerta <laughs> they're like okay but we're not gonna talk about <laughs> the first woman to <laughs> like run for, for president for president yeah uh, for a major party like okay yeah so yeah like they cut to the scene at the very end of like hillary becoming a trailblazer and she's writing her in a book about like you know how sad she was that hillary lost and i'm like yeah we like she's not the first woman to run for president like she was the first woman to get a nomination but yeah i i i, I did not like that they left her out either um they left out they also, I was also surprised they left out um, uh, Betty Friedan. Uh, they mentioned her like one time, but like she was a prominent role in like Mrs. America. And like, obviously there's like a clash between like her and Phyllis Schlafly in Mrs. America, but there's also like a clash in the women's movement between those two as well. And I also thought that was really interesting. And I, I exactly. was shocked. Yeah, I was like surprised that there was no mention, like there was one mention of her and that was it. Well, like that's to our point of it having no conflict. Like yeah. conflict happens off screen. So you don't have to like pit women against each other in this sort of way. And you can create conflict in a meaningful sort of way um, without it appearing villainous. Uh, and that was an opportunity that they have with Betty Friedan and um, they chose not to do it. Um, I don't know. That just Maybe we'll a get- less interesting movie. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll get Gloria Steinem to listen to this podcast and change her mind. <laughs> I know. Like, I wasn't even convinced that she, like, watched Mrs. America based on her criticisms. I was like, I just think of, like, her criticisms of Mrs. America just, like, went over her head. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's her life. She can <laughs> think of it. Obviously, she has the more than the right to think of however she wants of it, but... Um, she loved it. She, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't need to watch it. She's she yeah, loved yeah, the story um, over and over again. Yeah. Do you have anything else that you want to say about the Glorias? Uh, I may go watch Mrs. America again, just because I appreciate yeah. it that much more. <laughs> I know. Um, and I like. I, I'm glad. Like this, this watching the Glorias realized. Like I realized watching the Glorias that I actually learned something from Mrs. America. Whereas this, because I'm sitting here watching it like, oh, I know this. I learned this in Mrs. America. I learned this and this. And like, like I was upset, like you mentioned, that certain people were left out. And so I'm glad I saw Mrs. America as like a learning, like this is something like we're not really taught in school. Like we learn, we learn about the women's movement, but like not about these details. And it just makes me appreciate Mrs. America that much more. So yeah, that's all I have to say. Yeah, no, it, I mean, we, as I said, like at the beginning of a recap, that um, I kind of forgot I already watched this movie because it's so straightforward. It's like, I don't want to make it sound like it's an awful movie. It's like enjoyable, but like it, it's not, um, it's not particularly like 
the art or like as good of as as it could have been in my opinion yeah i don't even think it was like enjoyable <laughs> it was fine but it's also long by the way it's like two and it's, a half it's way <laughs> too long yeah it's way too long um and like i'm sitting here like like oh like you know they couldn't do glorious sign of justice and i'm sitting here like oh it's it's too long of a movie <laughs> so <laughs> um but uh, yeah it's also I have a feeling it's available on Amazon Prime. I don't think we made that clear. Oops, sorry guys. Um, but so it's available to watch on Amazon Prime right now. Um, but I'll write it in the description. Yeah, you'd be remiss to miss it because like there is no promotion for this movie whatsoever. I feel like they just want this movie to kind of like be released and forget that it ever happened. Have you yeah. seen anything for it? Nope. Like any promotions? Nope. Yeah. Um, and the trailer, there is like the official trailer just came out last week. Um, and like, I didn't even see that. And I didn't see any news articles about it. Didn't see anybody talking about it on Twitter. Um, like the teaser trailer came out a few months back, but like no one's talking about this movie. This movie like came and like left already. And it's only been out like a few days. Um, well, well, we are talking about it. And that I know. Is I know. We're like the only people. So, uh, like, seek us out. We're like the. So, uh, Amazon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll okay. take your money. <laughs> Jeff Bezos and your endorsement. Yeah. yeah, really. So, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was. That's like the other sort of thing. So, like, if you're surprised that this movie exists and this is the first time you're hearing about it, it is not you. <laughs> you have. You're not. Oh. We're living under a rock. <laughs> the pandemic is a good time to uh, for the studios to release movies that they just want to die. Yeah, this is like this is like the new mutants of Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually got some enjoyment out of New Mutants. <laughs> I kind of, I I didn't hate it. <laughs> yeah. But like they meaning like it's a movie that they like knew wasn't gonna. Get oh yeah, yeah. Just like, just like yeah. Go for it. Um. Yeah, but this movie has three Oscar winners in it. Like, it's surprising that it got that sort of treatment. Um, but it, it did for for kind of good reason. It's for I mean, I can't spit any off the top of my head, but there are other movies with many Oscar winners that just they just there to get the paycheck. Um, yeah, but like recent Oscar winners too. I mean, Picander like and Julianne Moore won this past decade, last five six years. Yeah, that's so, true. Like, maybe they thought that like this would be good. <laughs> I know it's well, it sounds good on paper, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's why it should have been better. But this movie just should have been better. Yeah, that's another template of humor, I guess. <laughs> this had no excuse. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's the glorious. And I believe we are off next week. Tear. Sorry. Um, we're off next week, but we will be back uh, in full force the following week. Uh, so it's two weeks. Wait, are we doing... I don't the have a list right now. Should we tell... Oh, oh we're, yes, the we're trial. doing... Yes. So that'll be two weeks. So yeah. look forward to that. And it's going to be uh, on Netflix. Yeah, this was a good break that we did a non-Netflix movie. 
because <laughs> um, looking at the schedule, since all these other movies are getting pushed back or pushed away from theaters, there's going to be a lot of Netflix that we're going to be covering. Yeah. So The Trial of Chicago 7, the new Aaron Sorkin movie, courtroom movie, is going to be next. Yes. Um, all right. So in the meantime, I guess um, enjoy, isn't Mandalorian coming out soon? There's a lot coming out. There's a, there's a lot, a lot of TV out. that yes. I'm like actually almost overwhelmed at how much TV is going to happen because I know I can't watch it all that quickly. <laughs> so, and I'll give you watchings. Will yes. be, uh, I'll wait. give you my next what are you watching now. I'm very excited to talk about <laughs> um, in two weeks uh, Fargo. Oh, just yeah. yeah, just premiered last weekend. And I'm only two episodes in and I did not, I wanted to talk about it today, but I'm not that far into it. All right. Well, it's obviously not that far in yet. Um, and I wanted to wait a couple of episodes before I talked about it, and I cannot wait. I just so listened good. to an interview with Jesse Buckley, and I love her. I you, adore Jesse Buckley. Every you day. need you need to watch it. Yeah. Like you need to watch Fargo this season because she is terrifying. Oh, oh she's so good. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I can't wait to talk about it then. Yes. Um, well, I guess that's it from us, uh, but we want to hear more from you. If you are one of the seven people that watched The Glorias, <laughs> let us know. Uh, and uh, just uh, shoot us an email at uh, separatepod at gmail.com, uh, or you can find us on Twitter at repeatsteppod, uh, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash stepandrepeatpod. Uh, that's also where we will post a poll uh, about this week's icebreaker question that Matt asked at the top of the episode, which was, if you could have a conversation with an older version of yourself and were only able to ask one question, what question would you ask? Uh, and send us your own answers if ours weren't good enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, we also want to know what you think of the podcast. Uh, so please uh, give us a review. Take a few seconds to review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, new reviews actually really help us find new listeners. So we love to expand our audience. Um, and uh, if you drop us a review, we promise to read your review on air. If you give us a five-star review, wink, wink, uh, we will give you a 60-second review of any film that you choose. Uh, and uh, if you want to know other stuff that we're watching and our general opinions on other movies, you can find more of our reviews on the app Letterboxd. I am at A Shine and Matt is at M Grant 1219. But until next time, uh, thank you for listening. And I think I speak for Matt when I say it's an honor just to be considered.